Welcome to the Spanish Arpada. I'm Sarah. And I am Peter. And we are ranking and reviewing all of the rulers of Spain from Leovigild to Felipe VI. And today we are going to be reviewing a king named Wamba. Wamba, okay. Wamba. All right. You will That's... see on his uh, statue that it is spelled with two V's to ah, make okay. a W. <laughs> Sure. Okay. All right. Okay. But other than that, it's not too hard to spell. I'm going to go with, okay. So I have not cheated on this, but Mm -hmm. I do know of, of a character named Wamba in one of my favorite adolescent books, Ivanhoe, which does take place at roughly the same time as we're at, I think. Okay. Um, So that character is spelled W-A-M-B-A. Yes. And in Spanish- They do tend to spell it with the W, even though there isn't a W. There's really no way to get around. Right. There's two Vs. Yeah, it's two two Vs, two Roman Vs. Two Roman Vs. Yes. All right. So sources. We have one new source for today's king. Mm-hmm. And this is a really interesting text. It's called The History of King Wamba. So, <laughs> well, all right. It's very a lot of the research already done for you there. Yeah, no, it's really quite great. It was written mm-hmm. by uh, or compiled, I should say, by a guy mm-hmm. named Julian, who was the Bishop of Toledo at this time. Oh, OK. All right. Now, it's, it's unclear how much of it he wrote. He definitely mm-hmm. wrote one part of it, but it's possible he wrote all of it. There are four texts in this history, and mm. they, these texts tell the story of Wamba and a rebellious mm-hmm. duke named Paul. Paul. So the first text is called The Letter of Paul the Traitor. And it is You know, a- if you're going to have an arch nemesis, you you want them to have some name other than Paul. Well, um, it's his name it's was like probably my, and this is Paulus. my sworn enemy Brad. Yeah, um, it, it doesn't I feel like qu- we can do better. Doesn't quite strike fear into the heart. The first text is a fictionalized challenge from Paul gotcha. to Wamba. Gotcha. Okay. The second I text- approve of the genre, but I'm not sure I approve of the execution. All okay. oh, right. <laughs> the second text is the book of the history of Gallia. Gallia meaning like Gaul. Because right. This sure. rebellion takes place in Septimania. This is mostly a straightforward account of the rebellion. And this one Julian definitely wrote himself. Hmm. All right. The third text is called The Humble Historian's Invective Against the Usurpation of Gallia, which oh. <laughs> it's more like an opinion piece on the rebellion. Right. Again, where was the editor? The fourth text is called Judgment Pronounced Against the Treachery of Usurpers. Wow. So I guess we know how the story ends. We do. Okay. Now, this rebellion takes up most of the scholarly discussion of Wamba's rule, but mm. I actually don't really have a good sense of how important it was. Mm. The truth is mm. it gets talked about a lot because Julian chose to write about it. Right? Okay. So we have right. this whole text with all of these fictionalized accounts and the invective against the Gauls, and mm. it's really great. You I'm going to assume but that that the book is written sometime after the end of Wamba's reign. It is because because if forward... it's published because if because if an invective against usurpation is written during Wamba's reign, I as Wamba would have some questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is the the, the little prologue is states that mm. the the late King Wamba. So it is after okay. he is dead. Okay, and All therefore right. his reign is ended. But it's more sure. or less contemporary. 
All right. Anyway, we've seen other revolts. For example, Eudela's sure. revolt against Sisanand that sparked the Fourth yes. Council of Toledo. Yes, was, yes. I mean, it must have been super important because Eudela was able to mint coins. Right, right. Nevertheless, we don't have any text about Eudela at all, and we only know his name because it's on the coin. We he's not well, on mentioned the coin. anywhere. Sure. Right. So this seemed really important, but there's no historical textual evidence. Well, one mm -hmm. one assumes there might be sort of a Stalin-esque desire to scrub the record of the unsuccessful attempt. I mean, you know. Right. So, hmm. Yeah. Uh, We also just saw an uprising in Ressaswinth's episode. Freud went with the Basques, got the Basques to invade. Yes, yes, yes. The whole thing really seemed like a historical footnote. But again, I don't know if it was just as important or widespread as Paul's rebellion or not, just because we don't have. Right, right. That is true. Of course, if we think about how certain people like, oh, I don't know, Witterick and Chindeswinth come to mm-hmm. the throne. Yeah. The, the the definition of, you know, rebellion or, or uprising or whatever. It, or it usurpation. Be, or usurpation. It seems to be an unsuccessful attempt to do so as opposed to you know, a succession, which is a successful attempt to do so. Well, they do say that history is written by the winners. Mm, mm-hmm. so. All right. So that's our new source. We also still have the Chronicle of 754, which mm-hmm. is as unreliable as always. I would like to say starting just starting off after having been burned with the Tolga story and honestly with the Chintila story as well, I feel really good that this guy has an entire book named after him. I feel as though, glad I set aside some extra time today. Let's get into his biography because you're you're touching on something very interesting. Wamba, Mm -hmm. we don't know anything about where he was born, but there's a lot of stories and legends about Wamba. He seems to be one of the more remembered kings from the Gothic time period. Oh, yeah. So okay. there's, there's one legend about his birthplace that states that he was born in Egitania, which is in modern day Portugal. There's mm-hmm. another one that states that he was born in Galicia. And the most popular one states that he was born in Malaga. And there's this whole like legend that he was the illegitimate child of a previous king. And the mother was sent off to this village to give birth. And then when the king died, there was no one to rule. So they went out in search of the illegitimate child, a la Cinderella. And yeah. Yeah. So I was going to say full on Alexander Dumas nonsense. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it's all absolutely false because there's there's no story. There's no story of a king with an illegitimate son like that, but On the other hand, it bodes well of his career if the legends around him basically can be subtitled the chosen one. Yes, Um, there there is very much a sense of the chosen one here. So when he was found on a small farm on Tatooine, I mean, come on, let's do this. Yes, he was. Uh, So when Resiswinth retires to his villa to expire in the lap of luxury. Good (laughs) God, man. Yeah. But the rest of the nobles are already there in attendance. Because mm-hmm. they, they know he's going to die. And okay. maybe they were like, hey, free villa vacation. So they're all right, there. Right. They're all there as he's dying. Alternatively, maybe the next king is going to be decided by a rousing round of pin the tail on the donkey. You don't know. Well, since everyone's already there at the king's deathbed, mm-hmm. they're able to have that meeting that they do to elect the next king. Once Rensiswinth right. finally dies. Don't tell Rensiswinth about him. Just let him nap. It's fine. Yes. 
So this means that, like very few of our kings so far, Wamba is chosen by the nobles in an election from an open field. Oh, my God, it actually happens the way it's supposed to happen. It does. Resaswinth, it hell. didn't happen that way. Chindaswinth, it didn't happen that way. Same no. thing with us. So the last three right. were not officially chosen by this process. Right. Yeah. So okay. anyway, at this meeting of the nobility, which now I I actually like the idea that it was pin the tail on the donkey. Or, I'm really, yes. I'm or very maybe much badminton. Maybe they mm-hmm. did a badminton sure. round robin. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. So they choose Wamba to be the next king. They, they, they wow. pin the tail on Wamba's name. Now, do, do we know anything about him before? I mean, that, but by which I mean, he was obviously noble, I guess, because he that's was in the room. That's all we know. And that's all we know. So we don't yes. know if he was the a dark horse or the front runner or if he won in a walk or, or any of this. Well, he's really surprised by it. Oh, okay. All right. He's not pleased by being chosen. He clearly didn't expect it, and he doesn't want to do it. Like, he well, tells all right. straight so, up, I don't want to be king. That usually is the mark of the guy that you should choose. Yes. Unless he really, really doesn't want to do it, in which case you've got, you know, <clears throat> James Buchanan. All right. What do I, all right. Well, he, he throws up a couple of excuses, right? He oh, says God. that he doesn't want to be king because there are disasters on the horizon and it would be a bad well, time to be king. When aren't there disasters on the horizon? And by the way, nice political, nice politician move there. The times ahead are dangerous. Therefore, if you if they hit, you had foresight. And if they don't, you prevented them. Exactly. So they don't accept this. So then he says, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm too old to be king, which is a little rich. Do you know who our previous king was? I was going to say, Chindaswith was 80 years old and he did it. Also, I'm pretty sure he's still alive, by the way. (laughs) Well, Wampa's not even that old. He was probably only in his 30s or 40s at this time. Oh, my God. So it's kind of rich in saying that he's old and frail. Also, do you know what happens when we pick one that's too young? So finally, according to Julian of Toledo, another noble threatens to kill Wamba if he doesn't accept the throne. Oh, God. All <laughs> like right. he pulls this out is... his sword and he's like, when we leave here, either you're king or I'm running you through. Oh, my God. Talk about there is a cake or death scenario. <laughs> yeah. You either have to be king or I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, hmm. Uh, I must choice. deliberate for quite some time. This is difficult. Well, Wamba heaves a heavy sigh and agrees to become king. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm getting real like Pirates of Penzance vibe. From yeah. Wamba. I was going to say, there's a certain amount of Gilbert and Sullivan on all of this. I am yeah. sure a batter song ensued. Very, very agreed. Yes. Wamba is still uneasy, though, even though he has mm. agreed to become king. And he insists that everybody pack up and go back to Toledo for his coronation. He doesn't want to do it at the villa because he feels like he'll look like a usurper and be implicated in Ressaswinth's death. Starting to uh, have an appreciation for this guy's brains. That's not a bad thought. Yeah, so um, everybody okay. packs up. They leave okay. their vacation. They go back into the city. Ressaswinth uh, wakes up from his nap. Where did everybody where, go? <laughs> where everyone's missing. Uh, uh, well, co- more pie for me tonight. I guess so. So the coronation right. occurs in September of the year 672 at a church in Toledo. Mm-hmm. Okay. According to the Chronicle of Alfonso III, there is a bee that flies upward from Wamba's head during the coronation, which is taken to be a prodigious omen. Isidore was the patron saint of bees. There, yes. I'm calling it. It was yes. Isidore. He wrote okay. a whole treatise on how bees are similar to royalty. 
because there there's go. a hierarchy and things like okay. that. So yes, that's how he got to be the patron saint of bees. And that's why All the right. bee was seen as a prodigious omen for Wamba. Okay. Yes. Hopefully in my notes, Isidore puts in an appearance. He does. All right. Hopefully Wamba wasn't there kneeling in front of the altar going. Ah, right. Yeah. No, me. no. Oh, God. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm allergic. I'm allergic. That would be funny. So Wamba is now uneasy, but has been mm-hmm. crowned king. Six, seven. All right. Okay. Now, proving Wamba right, the first thing of note that happens in his reign is an uprising in the There's north. an uprising. Oh, yep. God. Guy didn't even want the job, and now he has to trudge off and fight some wrestling. Right. Meetings. Another Monday, another uprising. All yes. right. Now, the history of King Wamba says that this was an uprising in Cantabria, but most scholars think this was actually an uprising of the Basques. Yeah, I was so, going to say, a little if I have to, to choose, I know which one I find more likely. Right. Cantabria is a little further to the west, but it does border the Basque country. So it seems there's some kind of confusion there. Somewhere out there, Occam is saying, I don't even need to break out my razor for this one. It's the Basques. Yep. So Wamba himself marches north to deal with his unrest. Okay. Goes in person. Very impressive. Good. Nicely done. But while he is on the way there, he receives news that there is trouble brewing in Septimania. Oh, those damn Septimanians. Okay. The Duke of Nîmes, which is a man named Hilderic, is in open Mm. rebellion against the king, along with two members of the local clergy. Mm, mm, mm. So far, they have deposed the Bishop of Nîmes, who did not agree to join the uprising. Right. Then, I was going to say, who did not agree to be deposed? Well, no. That's well, he didn't why agree called... to that either. And <laughs> no, probably not. Afterwards, the three of them said, said Bishop to the Franks, quote, to be jeered at. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> like they called up the Franks across the border. They were like, hey, you want a bishop to laugh at? Because we got right. One. We've just had a vicar that we were making slip on a banana peel. So sure. What the hell? That seems like an upgrade. <laughs> And then they appointed a new bishop more favorable to them. And all of Of this is against the strictures of the Fourth Council of Toledo. Of course it is. Right. right. So at this point, Hilderic and the two clergy members are raising money to march on Narbonne and continue the uprising. Wamba doesn't really have time for this. Wamba's got an army in the field. Okay. All right. Yeah. He doesn't really have time for this. What with the Basque unrest at all. So probably heaving another big sigh. He sends his Duke Paul to go crush the rebellion. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. So you see where this is headed. Oh no, Paul. Let me tell you about a guy named Witterick and what he did with an army. Right. So, so Paul's campaign is already off to a suspicious start. Mm. The history of King Wamba relates that Paul sets off at a lukewarm pace. Oh, God. Which I and think is hilarious. And all of the soldiers had foam rubber swords uh, replacing their normal you know, iron. Okay, all right, go ahead. And Paul himself would not directly engage in fighting the Septimanians. Ooh. Like he would get there and they'd be like, oh, let's go to this other place where there's no uh, camps and nothing. Uh-huh. Right. Eventually, he just gives up all pretense, heads into Narbonne and declares himself king. Oh, wow. Yep. Oh, Paul. And Paul's Paul. rebellion is actually pretty popular, more is popular it? than Hilderic's original uprising, which must have stung a little bit. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Paul is actually able to pull fighters from the north of the province of Terraconensis, which is where Barcelona mm-hmm. is. And okay. He also right. gets help from the Franks. Well, and why doesn't he? Of course. Yes. All right. It wasn't a, like the king of the Franks didn't get involved, but Franks came over to Septimania to help fight. Because why? Not? Right, right. I mean, one of those instances where the king says, I can't lend direct support, but if you want to volunteer, I can't stop you either. Mm-hmm. 
Well, okay. eventually Wamba hears of Paul's rebellion. Mm-hmm. And as per usual, he doesn't really, he can't really I deal with I was going to this. say, I sense another heavy sigh. There's a heavy uh, sigh. The yes. Mm-hmm. He's in the midst of fighting the Basques on the western side of their territory. So right. he asks his nobles who are in the field with him, what do they want to do? Like right. he, he, he does not want to make a decision. We can always come back to fight the Basques later. Trust me, we can always come back to fight the Basques later. Well, the nobles want with him want to crush mm-hmm. the Basques first. Oh, they so, do. Okay. So they do right. so in seven days of fighting. They just blitzkrieg the heck out of uh, <sighs> the north of Spain. And then they turn around and head towards France. That is a, I was going to say, that is a crisply handled uh, uprising. I, yes. I, I, I'm, I'm very impressed. Yes. Uh, so they're heading back uh, towards the east. They take back right. Barcelona and Gerona, and then they cross the mm-hmm. Pyrenees. Wamba then marches on Narbonne and takes it pretty easily because Paul has fled from it already. Oh, God, Paul, you're just the worst. He's okay. the worst. He's retreated to Nîmes. Play the home court advantage, I suppose. Why right. not? So Wamba then advances on Nîmes, and the fighting there is extremely fierce. The history mm. of King Wamba spends several pages going into a lot of death and destructions, which I will spare you from because it's incredibly grisly. This is the first time, Sarah, that I'm going to wonder if you really know your audience. Um, (laughs) (sighs) All right. Yeah. I'm just going to look it up on my own later. You should. There's a great JSTOR article with a translation. So oh, if good. you just type in All the history right. of King Wamba, it's, it's I will I'm gonna do that. Anyway, so the city finally falls and Paul is captured. Now they hold on to him for a little bit and stay in Nîmes because there's a rumor that the Franks were gonna come and rescue him. And right. by this point, Wamba's like kind of into the whole thing and he's itching for a fight. Sure. He's- He's like, if the Franks are going to come, then heck, we'll fight them too. Right. Look, I just want to get it all out of the way now. But eventually, he's like somebody at the gym who knows it's leg day and he's not going to break it up. He's just going to get it all out and done. And then we can move over to the smoothies. Okay. All right. Eventually, the Franks do not come. This is a false rumor. So he heads back to Narbonne and then to Spain, bringing Paul with him. Oh, probably in very comfortable circumstances, I'm no, sure. No, actually, four <laughs> miles outside of Toledo, he puts Paul and his co-conspirators, who have been completely shaved and dressed in rags, oh, yeah. onto the oh. backs of camels, yeah. oh. and then they parade them through the streets of Toledo while people mock them. This is mock uh, that involves the throwing of dead things, yeah, I would imagine. There were there was rotten vegetables. We've been saving the chamber pot just for this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Paul was then imprisoned for life. Ooh. So mm. now that the rebellion is finally put to bed, Wamba turns to other matters. I okay. feel like he got this trial by fire right at the beginning. Yeah, and absolutely. Now at this point, he's like, you know what? Being king is not too bad. He right. Really reluctant at first, but now that he's gotten a taste of like what it's like to be right. good. Oh, right. He's ready to go. Yeah, I was going to so, say, now that I've, I've, I'm definitely warmed up, I am now yes. uh, fully prepared. Okay. So he begins a project in the year 674 of renewing the city of Toledo, right? Hmm. A lot of new construction, a lot of repairs. There are two- Finally ep- getting that pothole filled. Yes. Putting a stop sign on the corner of Fifth and Elm. Okay, yes. good. There All are right. two epigrams of his that still survive on the city gates. Oh, okay. He also calls the 11th Council of Toledo in 675. 
Of course he does. I didn't mention it in the sources because it's very religious focused and it, it doesn't really oh. have anything to do with the governing of the country. But remember, it's been like 30 years. Since well, I was going to say, actually, Plato. you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm slightly charmed by the fact that a king called a religious council that actually dealt with religion. It, it yes. seems like a gesture of a good guy. Right. He didn't use it to to make laws against treason so he could kill mm-hmm. people. He didn't okay. use it to, you know, take over property of condemned criminals criminals none mm-hmm. of that he was like let's just have the bishops get together right. and talk about church stuff wait i gotta ask one question yes did he do it to pass laws against jewish people no but i i hate to tell you we are going to have to talk oh. about it. it's not necessarily him but we got some stuff to talk about in nomadigas yeah. unfortunately all right and <sighs> then something really interesting may or may not have happened <laughs> <laughs> okay. Simultaneously intrigued and anticipating disappointment. Go ahead. According to the Chronicle of Alfonso the Third, which mm-hmm. remember was written in the late 800s. Right. So this is not contemporary. No. During Wamba's reign, there is a raid of 270 Saracen ships on the coast of Spain. Oh. Saracen referring to Muslims. Oh, damn. Yes. Oh, now, according damn. to this chronicle, Wamba destroys and burns the whole fleet. Uh, okay. This all is right. notable, first of all, because that's all, I'm, I'm just thinking of the logistics in sinking right. 270 ships. 270 ships is a damn Navy. That is. is a Navy. Okay. That's impressive. But it's also Um, notable because nowhere else in any other source is a Muslim attack on Spain this early on described. mm, It seems mm, very mm. early, especially for one of that size. Right, right. This might be a little retroactive. Let's make Wamba look good. Really good. Right. The much more contemporary Chronicle of 754 only claims that Muslim forces had long been ravaging the coast of Spain. Ah, okay, sure. No indication of how long long is. Right. Doesn't mention Wamba at all. To to make an analogy, this is, you know, there's a story going around uh, 1941 Britain that King Arthur once fought off an attack of the Luftwaffe. Well, no, he Um, didn't. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But it's it's quite interesting because this is the first time in Spanish documents Mm -hmm. that we see reference to. But it is. Yes, I was going to say, Okay. uh, Yeah, here we go. Another. Yes. Another page on the advent on the dark advent calendar has been turned. It has. All right. Okay. Then in the year 680, Wamba falls ill while visiting a village near Burgos. Uh Uh Uh-oh. And I mean, Uh he is extremely ill. He is so well, at this time, there was basically only two things. You were either perfectly healthy or you were on the verge of death. Well, he um, is so ill that he is certain he will die. Uh-oh. So he asks oh, to take penitential orders. Oh, now this, this was okay. common for really rich people to do at the end of their lives at this time. <sighs> right. Sure. They would spend I... their whole lives in luxury. And then when they were just right. about to die, they would become monks as a way to enter heaven sinless and poor. Right. This is the Kardashian version of repenting on your deathbed. Exactly. Um, Okay. All right. Okay. So in the presence of the palace attendants, he is tonsured and dressed in monk's robes to await his fate. Oh, well, the tonsure, that that does tend to be the last thing. All right. All right. Okay. And then he gets better. He makes a full recovery. Well, now we're in a pickle. Yeah. Now nobody knows what to do. 
Because he's been tonsured, yeah. so you he definitely can't be cannot king. be king if you've been again. Ask Tolga. Tolga learned oh, that wait, lesson. You can't. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tolga learned that lesson. But surely the law could be bent a little bit. I right. Mean, I mean, he's, he's a good. I mean, many certainly many seen... times before how right. even bishops have been willing to bend the law if the king right. wants it so. Right. Especially when the king is, you know popular and victorious i suppose all right and wamba seems to have argued for this course of action like he was there oh, saying, okay yeah, why don't we why don't we just change the law we're in charge right. sure this is to no avail wamba oh, no. ends up having to sign a document proclaiming a man named ervig as his successor oh and no. then wamba goes off to a monastery where he lives for another few years or so oh wow so Boy, as you, the air just let out of everything. Now, as you um, might imagine, there are a lot of theories surrounding Wamba's dethroning. Sure. By the late 800s, the story is yes. going around that Wamba had been inexpertly poisoned. Right, right. Either by Ervig himself, who wanted the throne, right. or, incidentally, by Bishop mm. Julian. What? Now, okay. Now, he wrote that he was... You know, he worked for Wamba. He wrote that wonderful history of... Yes, I was going to say, is this a case of fanboyism gone sour? What's going on? Well, later on, Julian would be proclaimed the Metropolitan of Spain by Irving. Uh, And so it's thought that maybe this was like a quid pro quo. Oh. And Irving in general is going to be much more friendly to the church than Wamba has been. Oh, really? Okay. All right. So... Uh. But the question is, was he actually poisoned? Did they mean to kill him? Did they right. mean to not quite kill him because they didn't want the sin of murder on them? Did they uh, plan it like this from the beginning? Or did Wamba actually get sick? Man, you know, you, you see them measuring out the poison into uh-huh. the cup. And it's like, wait, did you put in a teaspoon or did you put in a tablespoon? I, it just said TSP. Well, that's supposed to be teaspoon. Oh, man. Well, roll the dice. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Yeah. So that is that is Wamba's life and reign. Oh, oh, there was so much good stuff in it right up until the end. I mean, narratively speaking, I'm very pleased. It's uh, quite. You can see why he's one of the ones right. that people remember because he's. Got I was so going to say interesting, definitely memorable. Story. Yeah. For sure. For sure. For sure. Okay. All right. Let's rate him. Okay. Our first category is conquistadores. How good were they at battling? How much territory did they conquer? Well, obviously, you know, the, the borders didn't change. He did um, reconquer but, territory that was lost. But he did reconquer territory that was lost. Just a deeply satisfying victory over a weasel. Definitely a, a, a series of battles that were fierce. For somebody who didn't, as it were, add any territory, very, I got to say, just seems to have known what he is doing at the head of an army. And again, no poetry written on a yacht. Yes. Also, the Chronicle of Alfonso III says that Juan mm-hmm. must subdue Asturias and the Basques many times. Many times. Okay. Other than the seven-day Cantabrian Blitzkrieg before the Gallic Mm -hmm. campaign, we don't have any details about any other battles. But But let's talk about the idea of a seven-day Blitzkrieg Blitzkrieg against the Basques. That subdues the Basques. Yeah. I mean... 
that's that sort of makes you know d-day look like a picnic very and the, impressed and the saracen ship story is pretty notable as well the saracen ship story is very notable it's almost certainly a lie right um, but the idea that he burned 270 ships right exactly obviously again you only say this guy burned 270 saracen ships if it is plausible for him to have done so nobody yeah, would so, believe that of tolga exactly <laughs> Although, oh, wouldn't we love to see it where he just yes. goes out and it turns out he's an airbender or something like yes, that. Yes, exactly. All right. So I'm, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm going to give him a six. I'm rather impressed. I'm also going to give him a six. That's pretty okay. good. Yes. He deserves yes. better than better than halfway. So there we Definitely go. Definitely better than halfway. So that is a 12 for Conquistadores. Okay. All right, our next category is No Me Digas. A lot of the stuff I have here to share is not strictly about Wamba, but I didn't really <laughs> know where else to put it. And okay. it's something all that right. I would talk about okay. if I was talking about ah, it. All right. So here's the first one. The Rebellion of Paul in Septimania really gives us an inside look on what the Goths thought of the Franks. And it's oh, hilarious. Again, I'm thinking of what the goths in high school think of the popular kids. Yeah. So, so a bunch Julian, of posers. Go ahead. So Julian writes in the history of King Wamba that Septimania, which remember mm-hmm. is that province of Spain that is actually over the Pyrenees and is in modern right. France. Right. It, it's he, just, it sort of peaks over into, yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. He writes that Septimania is, quote, the nurse of all treachery. Oh, God. It's how Slytherin. All right. Yeah, it is. <laughs> okay. And Wamba alleges in the same text that, quote, without us, the galley have never achieved any notable prowess, which is hilarious and false. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a lie. It's interesting that this kind of invective was happening against the Franks because there's nothing really special happening with the Franks right now. No. No, you know, the last king of the Franks that we checked in on was Dagobert. He was the king who got swindled out of the solid gold plate out of the plate. That's right. And he has Um, long since died and his grandsons are ruling France right now. But we are solidly in the do nothing king phase of the Merovingian. Right. I mean, well, it's going to be another 70 years before the Carolingians take power with Pippin. Once they pull Brunhilde apart with by horses. That was kind of the end, wasn't it? It's all downhill. Nothing is cool or no one is cool as ever going to be there for until well basically it's going to take friggin charlemagne to it is uh, sort of step into those shoes exactly all right and so it's just it's just kind of funny the humble historians invective against the usurpation of gallia is basically that's a terrible title it's a terrible title but it's full of just like all these random slams of how stupid and lazy and awful the franks are and it's just kind of funny (laughs) It sort of starts off as a Beverly Cleary title and mm-hmm. then veers into Kissinger. Just, it's just, whoa, all right, dissonant as hell. The, the second thing I have is in the history of King Wamba, there mm-hmm. are unfortunately a lot of unpleasant slams on Jewish people throughout the whole text. Uh, okay, now, now I, I have to tell you, Bishop Julian is the one who wrote it. Right? I know. I, I figured. Okay. And Bishop Julian was a converso. A, ah. con- a converso is a Jew who converted to Christianity. Ooh. Ugh. 
oh, everything just got very uncomfortable. It, it is very uncomfortable. Yeah. So apparently at this time, there are a lot of Jewish people in Septimania and in France, which when you think about the policies of Spain at the time, makes a lot of sense. I was going to say, well, they sure as hell aren't going to be in Spain now, are they? No, they're not. But Bishop Julian uses this fact to continue insulting Septimania and the Franks by saying, you have so many Jewish people here. Obviously, that means you're terrible. Here are all the flaws of the Jewish populace. You obviously also have these flaws, too. Oh, God, he's one of those. It's pretty ugly. It's like Charles Dickens did speed and wrote a villain. No, no breaks on the degree to which this man is vile. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, there is a note in the history of King Wamba where Mm -hmm. when Wamba retakes Neem, he Mm -hmm. banishes all the Jews from the city. This Uh, is not written anywhere else, and it's possibly something that just Julian wanted. Oh, is this just just sick wish fulfillment? Yes, that that might be. It might be. Yeah, you're right. It's like I was going to say it's it's like Julius Stryker wrote a, you know, fanboy article. Uh, This is what he totally would have done. Yes. Okay. All right. In slightly more morally satisfying, but possibly grosser news. Uh huh. Uh huh. There's also this notable comment. That's a hell of a lead up. I'm very intrigued. Go ahead. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) There's also this notable comment from Wamba's March on Septimania. Mm. Julian writes, Mm. quote, Because of the wicked instincts of some of our people, they not only sought out plunder, but also made them guilty of the crime of rape, as well as the burning of houses. Uh The king punished these misdeeds with such harsh penalties that one would have thought he inflicted harsher measures on these men than if they had been fighting against them. This is confirmed by the severed foreskins of the rapists. He imposed this mutilation in punishment. Oh, All right. Now, here's who I want to talk to. (laughs) The guy whose job it was. Yes. Because first of all, how many moils did they have access to? Because he's the only guy that I would trust to do that job with any consistency. Well, Um, once again. Holy hell. Alternatively. Hi, Bob. Guess what you get to do this week? What? Don't tell me I drew the short straw. You did. Oh man, there's a lot of layers so much when I do this. All right. A lot of layers to this. First layer is that this is meant to show that Wamba is in control or not, not necessarily in control, but that he's willing to punish his own soldiers when they cross moral boundaries. No, this is totally uh, Henry V and, and, and how orders the execution of, of, of Bardolph. I mean, that's Shakespeare would have looked at that moment and said, this is going in the play. Mm -hmm. Um, So for sure. Yes. Number two, gross. Oh God. Horrifying. First of all, Hey, what do you want me to do with these? Should I just throw them out? Well, don't throw them out. That's just wasteful. (laughs) Where are you going to throw them? In the river? This is the Middle Ages. But three, again, remember that Julian wrote this. There's there's an anti-Semitism under this. This was meant not only to to hurt them physically as punishment for, for their crime. Right. But also spiritually. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's, there's very definitely an absolute stink of, and now they look like Jews down there quality to it. I mean, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. So that's what I got. 
Oh, wow. Kind of all over the place. Yeah, but okay. But here's the thing. Even if it's not true, the Chronicle says he ordered the circumcision, the mass circumcision of all the rapists in his army. He's getting a good score. Yeah. I mean, yep. we're going to be talking about that one for a long time. Yeah. And how many times has it been the case, especially that mutilation might actually be okay i'm definitely ostensibly i have to disapprove but given right, the circumstances, but i'm not I'm, super mad i'm not gonna i'm and a for effort absolutely you didn't just you know chop their heads off full full marks there too as well right yeah very pleased i'm i mean that alone is just a it's just a thing it is um and then uh all of those slams on the franks all of their lazy and stupid and haven't achieved anything without the goths and you get the sense that that might have been wamba kind of wanted the franks to attack so he could just because you again yeah he waited there for them because he was like come on let's go this is call of duty this is world at war and he's leveled up he Mm -hmm. the basques is the intro you know, the, the next big boss is Paul in Septimania. He wanted to level up to the final boss, which yeah. was the Franks, and they wouldn't yep. do it. So he threw shade at them. She, he, he had Julian talk, you know, smack, and, and it well, he didn't successfully call them out. But the, wow, the foreskins is just, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to carry that one around for the rest of my life. I'm I was actually just skimming through yeah. the history mm-hmm. of the Kings of Wamba because yes. I had gotten all of basically the, the main points of the story. And I was just yes. skimming through and my yep. eye went over the word foreskin and I went, whoa, yes. whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a record scratch moment. It was. <laughs> so I'm saying seven. Yeah, I was also guys. thinking seven. Yeah, no. I mean, it's not, we're going to see much worse and right. much more hilarious things. Sure. But yeah, that image. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 So that's a 14 for No Me Digas. Well done. Well yeah. done. All right. Our next category is orthodoxia, which is mm. how religious were they? Now, Wamba seems like a generically pious man for the time. He does. He seems, the guy feels very Methodist-y level of Very standard, yeah. Yeah, very bog standard, nice. But boy, Um, was he unpopular with the church. Really? I mean, he actually, I mean, he called the Council of Toledo and let the bishops actually get down to religious business. Do we know why? So in the year 675, Wamba publishes a law that condemns the improper use of church funds by bishops. Mm-mm. The law mandates nope. that, that when a new priest is installed in a church, the bishop has to write down an inventory of all of the church property so that it can be compared against when the priest eventually leaves his see. Oh, you nosy Parker. This is none of your business. No. He wants to make sure that when the renter moves out, everything is as it was. Oh, you meddling do-gooder. Okay. The law that he did that Wampa writes also abolishes what was called the rule of 30 years prescription. This rule allowed bishops to appropriate the property and funds of local parish churches if they Uh thought they needed it. Yeah. And Wamba says, no, if a church has relics or property or gold or anything, it has to stay there. You can't, you can't just grab it. 
oh no, it's very easy to see why he's very unpopular. Very unpopular. I mean, he's 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 screwing with, yep. with the income. Um, uh, Wamba okay. also meddles in the appointment of bishops, which is kind of, of standard for kings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, that probably wasn't in and of itself, but he probably insisted on appointing people who were, you know, qualified. Oh and yes, Catholic. And yes. <laughs> But so, uh, he he did even create new bishoprics where that had been where there had not been none before, oh, and in okay. some cases he would appoint a second bishop in some cities, oh. which went against the Council of Nicaea itself. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. All right. So he clearly that's did fairly not, unorthodox. Okay. He didn't really care about the hierarchy of the church and how the Ooh. church was used to doing things. You gotta care about the hierarchy of the church. That's basically what the church is, yeah. is hierarchy. Yes, yes, it is. Uh, yeah, I don't know that I can give him too many points here. No, no, no. He's basically, yeah, I mean, he's the guy in the College of Cardinals who breaks out the guitar and wants to sing Kumbaya. Nobody is going to take this man seriously. Mm-mm. I mean- I will give him some points. Orthodoxia is is a tricky category because if we're talking about his level of authentic religiosity, authentic Christianity, he's probably pretty pretty sincere. There's, there's there seems to be, but if we're talking about his, shall we say, relationship with the power structure of the church and, mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. No, he is, he is absolutely Clouseau in a China shop. I think this category kind of has to have room for both. I, I agree. Like if there's That's someone, I'm not going to give him a zero. But... Right. If there's someone completely a religious, like Chindaswin. Right. You know, I think we each gave him one. Because he built the because he built, he built the, that uh, monastery. monastery. Yes, right? yes. So I think you do have to be personally religious to get a good score. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. also the fact that we're talking about orthodoxy means right. that I you agree. are conforming to the belief structure of mm-hmm. an organized religion. And if you're going to go against that organization, I would like to. Okay, do we know? This is, you know, uh, a question. The bishop who got deposed in Septimania or in in Neem, excuse yes. me. Um, did he get restored by any chance? I think so. Okay. See, bishop deposed, bishop restored. I'll give him a point for that. And I'm going to give him a couple of points because he called the 11th Council of Toledo and it let and it it was it was religious in nature. He didn't build mm-hmm. anything, which is disappointing. No. Also. Got to keep in mind, he did die having taken penitential that orders. That is true. Uh, he was we, we not happy him. about it. But no, he, he wasn't. So actually, because of because of the way he died, because let's face it, that's going to cost him points elsewhere. I'm going to actually give him a four. Oh, obvious, wow. Obviously. Yeah. Well, no, I'm going to give him a three. I'm going to give him a three. I'm going to give him one for the bishop, one for the council, and one for the penitential orders. Okay. I'm going to give him a two. Okay. So that is a five for orthodoxia. Okay. Our final category is El Resto, where we talk about all the other stuff that goes into Mm -hmm. being a king. He does have a statue. Oh, good. He also has a painting in the Prado, but it's not a portrait. It's a scene. It is the scene where he was elected to be king. Oh, God. And then we have a heavy sigh, is he? Okay. All right. Well, let me me show you. All What's right. What's going on here? We'll start with okay. the statue. All right. Oh, okay. Eh. 
Huh. Once again, he looks like an extra from the Aeneid. Okay, I know a little bit about statuary. I know that that is a position known as contrapposto. The weight on one leg and the weight off the leg and the hip sort of out. But he is hip checking someone. That is an extreme <laughs> example of contrapposto. I mean, he Maybe is really out there. Maybe in the middle of there. standing for the statue, he decided yes, to get some hockey. exactly. Okay, is he bare-chested or is he not? I think That's, he's bare-chested because I, there's his belly button. Right, no, he has a navel. But then again, we have seen, I mean, we've seen chest plates with navels and abs before. But we I have. think he is meant to be bare-chested. Yes. Which does not, that does that is not his brand. He, he's he got does really not, scruffy facial hair, too. Yes, his facial not hair good. is terrible. Facial hair is basically week nine of COVID isolation facial yeah. hair. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not good. Also his nose is problematic. It's incredibly In long. And, and it, yes, yes. It's, it's retreating into his upper lip. It um, is very droopy. Yes. Right. Not, not a, not a good looking fellow. I mean, and bear in no. mind, if this is something that's meant to flatter, yeesh. I like so, the angry dragon on the top of his sword on the yes, hill there. Yes. He, I, immediately want to start reciting Jabberwocky. And then you yes. can see on the pedestal, it's Vamba. Right. Because <laughs> they have no W. Yeah, mm, yeah. Okay. You ready That's... for this, this yes. painting? Yes. Oh, please. Oh my God, you drama queen. <laughs> um, oh, Tell us what no. you see. Tell us what you see, Peter. First of all, a, a middle school production of this man's life would have would have this as its poster. The, the gentleman in question is sitting, if one can call the pose that he is in sitting, big one hand, one arm, pushing away the offering of right. it all. So Wamba um, is depicted as much older than he probably was at the time. I mean, he looks basically like Chindaswith's slightly younger brother. He, um, he does. He's looking okay. away and his hands are like, no, I cannot. And right. there's another noble in front of him with the sword. He's the one saying, I, say, I will yes. stab you if you don't become king. If I can describe his pose, I am someone who has, much to my regret, eaten a lot of lunches and dinners at country clubs. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that that is the pose of a middle-aged woman who has just been shown the dessert cart. <laughs> that is the, oh no, oh no, I couldn't possibly. Oh, you mean Wamba? Oh no. Yes. Wamba is, oh. no, no, I, I couldn't, I, I, I mustn't. know it's, I mustn't. Yeah, yes. no, that's, that's exactly what that is. That is someone who has seen a flan with her name on it, but wants to be known as a self-controlled person. Yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Aggressive uh, pose of the gentleman with the sword. Yeah. He's got the it, crown in the other hand. Look, he's, he's, he's got the crown. Like, yeah. Look, there it say, is. Look. Put that on. T- yeah. If you're threatening someone with a sword, you don't hold it point up. You, hold you should it probably point, point it out. at them. Right. And, and the fact that he's wearing a helmet in, why Inside. the two guys on the far left look like they are extras from the last supper well they um, look like they're 12 yes also. they yeah exactly and these guys he, are all adults so yeah, I don't they're know all happens. adults if there are any art history majors it's a combination of the characters from the last supper from oath of the Heratii 
and from the death of Socrates. It, it's like you took those three paintings, threw them in a blender, and this is what you uh, wound up with. It's kind of terrible. I mean, basically, I've got to. I think it's hilariously. Say, yes, no, it's, it's kind of terrible in a wonderful way. Put it this way: John Waters looks at this painting and says, "This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. This is kitsch on top of kitsch." He gets, done, he gets it done. He gets it done in velvet and puts it in yes, his house. Uh, yes, absolutely. In his house. Note, by the way, that the background is just a matter of total indifference on the yeah, part of the Yeah, I'm kind of bummed because this is purportedly Ressuswin's villa. It, it, it doesn't just look like Just some hallways. No, yeah. It, it looks like, yes, it looks like basically the uh, the entryway to the the the, the chapel at a, at a at a at a country boys school in England. Yeah, uh, it is not an impressive sight uh, nope. at all. Great. And uh, I, here's I, the I, coin. Whoa! I like this one. Wow! He's wow. got a jaunty hat. He does. He's got a very jaunty hat, which he is apparently wearing backwards. I'm yes, wondering if those aren't like are, truck those nuts. Are, those are tassels, and he is at running a full clip. Running from the uh, the bass campaign to the um, right. ball. Tra- you're right. Right. Very good. Again uh, with the this, nose. Again with the nose. This is very political cartoony. It um, is. And uh, carrying a cross. Uh, yes. This might be the this might be the first coin, at least that I can recall, where we have the person in the center of the coin actually carrying a prop. I don't know that we've had one before. And a person with a hat, that's true, as opposed to a barrister's wig. But notice that the crown is also holding up a ping pong ball. Yeah, I don't um, know what's on the top of which his I head. Which I don't know what's up with that. No. Um, it's got like a pom-pom. It's like a, right, um, right. Like a winter hat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All and right. yes, his profile to me looks like the a political cartoon from the 1940s of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yes, it does. Um, okay, so, all right. Yep, so that is the uh, the physical culture that we have. Okay, He all ruled right. for eight years from 672 to 680. Okay. He has no known children, but I have some ancestry notes. Oh, Now, okay. this is from the Chronicle of, of Alfonso III, which, okay. again, from right. the late 18, that one it, said late that the Muslim yes. Navy attacked. So, yeah, okay. Yes. So we should probably disbelieve that. But mm-hmm. Ervig, the man that Wamba appoints to be king after him, is supposedly mm-hmm. Chindaswint's grandson. Ah. And well, Wamba- then you were a fool to have him around. That family line can, can produce no good things. And Wamba um, okay. also apparently has at least one sibling because okay. his nephew Ehika will come into the story soon. Okay. All right. However, there is no actual evidence that any of these people are actually related. All right. We're, we, I was going to say, we're, we're finding some way to retroactively pull the narrative. Luke and Leia are actually brother and sister. I've decided that was always my plan from the very beginning. Oh, shut up, George. Um, and then his death, he might have been poisoned. Might have. Might and the story have. of how he lost the throne is pretty notable. That is that is definitely very notable. But it is a sad trombone exit to an otherwise wah, wah. genuinely impressive eight years, I, yeah. I've got to say. What do you want to give him for El Resto? The painting is so god-awful that I'm going to give it points. <laughs> The coin is mildly amusing. He has a statue. There seems to be a campaign after his passing to make him slightly ridiculous. Yeah. I find that amusing. But that all said, I don't think I'm going to give him more than a four. Yeah, I was also thinking a four. It's interesting, but 
Oh, entertaining to be entertaining sure. Entertaining as I'll a, get out. Right. No, nothing, nothing bland here. I'll give you that. I mean, definitely it all has a flavor, but the flavor is the flavor has rainbow sprinkles. It's not a, you know, it's not a good flavor. Um, okay. So that is an eight for mm. El Resto, and that means his final score is a 39. Hmm, that's pretty good. Pretty good. I don't have my spreadsheet mm. open right now, so I don't know if it's the mm. best, but I think Sisibut was 40. So Right, right. Yeah, but we do have one more question. Ooh. Fuero ooh. or fuera? Do we let him sign this the is... charter or do we tell him to get out? Oh, man, this is tough. This um, is really tough. The foreskins really make me want <laughs> I forgot to about fuero. the foreskins. I mean, the foreskins are a major, major um, factor. Um, however, is however, that really enough, though? No, no. However, however, given the way it, it to me, it is all about the exit. It is about the fact that he went out very, not just pathetically, although yeah. there is, it is, it is pathetic, but also kind of hypocritically. He mm. has spent his whole career doing the involuntary, unwilling, heavy sigh pose of the reluctant leader. Cincinnatus wants to go back to his farm. That's all I've really, please don't make me do. And then finally, he has the perfect excuse not to go back to the throne. And he whines saying, oh, but maybe I should still be king. Maybe and, I they should. and then he takes no for an answer. So I am going to say, as was said to him, fuera. Fuera, yeah. Um, the thing is, and, and to be clear, you had fuero in the bag. He did. It's you a shame, really. You crushed the rebellion of the Basques. You killed the villainous traitor. You displayed foreskins of rapists. <laughs> you really absolutely had a terrific and maybe defeated a, a gosh darn, <laughs> you don't have to click me, hmm. uh, a gosh darn Saracen Navy. Yes. All right. It's a lie, but it's a cool lie. It's a cool All lie. Of that is amazing. And then at the last second, you proved that it was all a pose. Yeah. And I'm deeply, deeply disappointed. So yeah. I say fuera with equal parts regret and grim satisfaction because shame on you, sir. Well, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to okay. say that as much as I enjoyed researching this and telling right. you this story, yes. I do have to say fuera. Yes. Which I is a real oh, shame. I really enjoyed it. No, you, you. this is a guy who literally blew it on the five yard line. Yeah, he did. Um, you were, you were, you were so close. Also your biographer is an anti-Semite. Um, yeah, but, but we can't, but we can't hold that against you too much. Wow. Yeah. So, well, so, so, tell so, us what you now. think. Do you yep. agree with us? Do you think yep. that uh, Wamba should have been told fuera? Let us know. We're on Twitter and Facebook. We have a Gmail account. All of that is Spanish Arpada. And we'd love to hear from you. I have the analogy. We just had opening day. He blew a nine run lead in the ninth inning. There we go. That's basically what he did. There we there go. There we go. Yep. So you've now done two extremely American analogies. One yes, with football well, and one with baseball. I was going to say, I, I, I'm a white, straight male American. I am nothing if not a cultural bigot. There we um, go. So, 
All right, it is recommendation time. Mm-hmm. And we are going to recommend, we have a co-recommendation again, and this is the Vulgar History Podcast. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so I was actually contacted by the Vulgar History Podcast because they had done an episode on Isabel I, Isabel yes, la Catolica. Yes, which and, I really want to listen to, but I'm not doing it because I promised I wouldn't spoil it. Oh, okay, so well. I'm not going to do it. You our dear listeners can go listen to it if you have not Please made do. any such vow to yourself or no. any of the other wonderful podcasts that they have about uh, really badass women. The one on Queen Anne is uh, of England. I've been listening to the English Queens primarily. Right. So Elizabeth Woodville, Eleanor of Aquitaine, Queen Anne, all of those I have uh, listened to. And, and, you know, I, what I will say is this is, this is an area unlike the, the, the last podcast we were talking about, um, mm-hmm. that is say the history of Africa, about which I know nothing. This is a podcast where I do know quite a bit about the history of most of the women that I have thus far listened to. And so you listen for the quality of the storytelling, yeah. the, the enjoyment uh, in the storytelling. And it's it's kind of wonderful. I've, I've just really been enjoying listening to these, you know, these stories that you don't often hear because the focus obviously is uh, on the... Uh, uh, masculine side of most of these narratives. And uh, yeah, it's just, it's just been really great. I, I can recommend uh, this one uh, without reservation. Yeah, me as well. They have, they have a good one on Fredegund. And oh, okay. uh, yeah, Brunhilde's nemesis. Yes, and, yes, yes. Uh, oh. Actually, I found out through them and through their podcast, uh, their episode on Fredegund, that there is a book coming out called The Dark Queens about oh, Brunhilde cool. and Fredegund. And <laughs> oh. I need to get my hands on this I was book. Say, just one book? All right. Okay. Yes. I mean, you could probably do a whole HBO say, no. series. Brunhilde is a series. There is no mm. way she's not. Yeah. <laughs> So definitely check out the Vulgar History Podcast. We will put a link in our show notes as this recommendation. So next week, we are going to be uh, covering Ervig, who somehow ended up on that document that Wampus Uh said you should be king next. So Uh we'll see how that works out for him. Yeah. Uh... I'm I'm not I'm not optimistic. You're never optimistic. No, that's true. I'm not. All right. <laughs> All right, we will see you next time. All right. See ya.